Hello and welcome to the latest Science Support Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Solomon, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Craig Pickering. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Craig onto the show. So, Craig, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming. It's, uh, it's going to be good. So, our topic of conversation for today is how to use caffeine to improve sport and performance. Uh, but first things first, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've done until now? Yeah, so my name's Craig Pickering. So, I used to be a professional athlete. I went to the 2008 Olympics in the 100 metres and 4 by one relay as well and then I switched sports uh from 2012 so I qualified for the 2014 Winter Olympics in bobsleigh uh, and then after that well there I suffered a career ending injury so obviously uh, I had to retire from sport and then find a different career so I worked for a genetic testing company for five years and did a doctorate at the same sort of time uh, and then for the last 18 months I've been working for Athletics Australia as the athlete pathway manager. I think there's uh, a couple of interesting podcasts in there and uh, athlete transition from, <laughs> from careers and whether the genetic testing works. That's, uh, that's for a different day, I think. But um, that's uh, some super interesting topics there and some, uh, some broad topics too. Um, but can you give us an, uh, an introduction for caffeine as to what it can do for people um, and why that's important? Yeah, so I mean, caffeine is probably one of the most well-studied performance-enhancing, I guess, agents um, in the scientific literature. So I guess well established now that it definitely improves performance across a various or variety of different exercise types. So aerobic endurance, strength, power, uh, team sports, things like that. So what caffeine does, it's what's called a competitive adenosine receptor antagonist, which is a, a big word. But what it means really is it stops adenosine from binding to its receptor. So adenosine is the thing that makes you feel sleepy uh, and tired during the day. So adenosine accumulates in our brain uh, as the day goes on. And then when we go to sleep, we get rid of adenosine. But if we don't get enough sleep, it's kind of still hanging around a bit, which is why if you don't get enough sleep, you feel tired. But a cup of coffee in the morning kind of wakes you up. So that's kind of how caffeine works primarily. Um, but it's kind of it has a variety of different ways that can improve performance. It improves your mood as well. It reduces feelings of fatigue. And if you've got sleep loss and things like that, it just perks you up. Um, and it also reduces pain, which is important for like endurance events. So it's got like multiple different mechanisms of action, but it's at the point now where it's so well established that kind of a, a vast majority of athletes do use it. And uh, coaches as well, I can tell you. So uh, super <laughs> important stuff. Um, so in terms of recommendations, um, what are the general recommendations for athletes? For coaches, clearly it's 10 cups of coffee a day, but like what's for, for athletes? <laughs> Yeah, so I guess like probably the main guidelines uh, are reasonably broad. So it's usually recommended sort of between three and six milligrams per kilo of caffeine. Sorry, milligrams of caffeine per kilo of body weight. So caffeine's measured in milligrams. Um, so like a cup of coffee 
it's got a variable amount in there, but a typical espresso has probably got about 60 milligrams of caffeine in there. A can of energy drink's got about 80 milligrams of caffeine in there. So we're looking for between three and six milligrams per kilo, um, about 60 minutes beforehand. There is some kind of variation in the optimal amount for, for each individual person. Some people do better with a bit less. Some people do better with a bit more. It seems that about nine milligrams per kilo is the upper limit of what enhances performance. People take more than that. I don't really get any better. Um, and like I said, yeah, for other people, that's, that's far too much. So for me, during my career, if I had more than three milligrams per kilo, which is generally the lower amount of what was recommended, I just sort of felt overstimulated and couldn't perform particularly well. So it's definitely worth doing a little bit of self-experimentation on that. So I think we can we can get onto that later in terms of uh, how to make a personalized plan. Um, and you, you touched on it very quickly. What kind of the, the, the pros and cons of, of using it then? Like what what do we get out of it in terms of definite performance increase? And what could the potential downsides be? So I think, yeah, in terms of like the performance increase, it just it, it sort of multiple different things that it can do, um, multiple different mechanisms. So in kind of general training period, if you've got DOMS or you haven't been sleeping particularly well because you either have to get up early for training or you haven't been sleeping well because of, I guess, fatigue or pain overnight, it just reduces those sort of sensations. Similarly, if you've got long training sessions, it reduces sensations or negative effects of um mental fatigue as well if you're traveling it reduces jet lag or the sensations of jet lag and fatigue that are associated there as well um and yeah in any sort of hard exercise session it can reduce sensations of pain as well so they're, they're all kind of the positive sides of it um but they all come obviously at a little bit of a cost which is where the cons come in so there's a little bit of kind of ongoing debate as to the what happens if you have caffeine regularly so that's called habituation so like any drug really the more Frequently, you have caffeine, the more of it you need often to get the same stimulatory effects. But it's not clear quite what effect that has on sport. If you always have 300 milligrams of caffeine before a training session, if you had 300 milligrams of caffeine before a competition, would you see um, an optimized stimulatory effect or would you actually need a little bit more? So the research is still out on that a little bit. But yeah, basically, the more caffeine you have, potentially the more you need to get the same effects. And there's some other side effects as well. For some people, they can sort of uh, feel increasingly anxious when they have caffeine, especially high doses of caffeine. And then because caffeine um, kind of blocks your adenosine, it um, stops you from going to sleep particularly well. So if you've got late night training sessions and you have a lot of caffeine, you won't sleep well. It'll take you longer to get to sleep. Um, and you won't sleep quite as deeply either. Um, that becomes problematic as well when you've got competitions, so multiple competitions over multiple days. If you take a lot of caffeine on day one and you don't sleep particularly well, you might see actually a, a really negative effect the next day. And is there any research on in terms of like uh, recovery then in competition? So if, if for example, you're, you're going to take for every single event, a, uh, a pretty large dose of caffeine. Um, is there then uh, other studies that look into how you then recover from those events? Yeah, that, so that's a really good question. And the answer, that, and the short answer is no. So we actually don't even know how kind of how you should use caffeine across multiple competitive events on the same day. So, for example, like if you look at the 100 metres at the Olympics, there's usually about 90 minutes between the semi-final and the final. We know that caffeine improves performance when you take it for a competition, but when it's separated by 90 minutes, the half-life of caffeine is about four hours. So you're not sure what we should do in terms of should you take it before both those races or just before the first one, or should you take a half dose before the first race and then a half dose before the second race. Um, it's really poorly studied, and it's probably one of the main areas where we can actually learn a lot more about how we use caffeine. Um, and then similarly, like you said, 
there's studies in like super rugby teams that demonstrate that there's much poorer sleep after having caffeine before a night game but there's no real sort of examination of well what's the effect when when you take that and then what's the effect a week later and things like that so they're probably the areas where as the research develops hopefully they'll, they'll focus on those a little bit more this podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market, developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available, and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. And I think that leads us quite nicely on to how uh, we as practitioners, but also potentially athletes themselves, can make some kind of personalized plan. Because if that information isn't there, then you kind of need to do your own N equals one study, right? So uh, as a practitioner, how would you go about that? Yeah, so I completely agree. I think you have to do an N equals one study and then constantly refine. So it's probably a, a good good place to start is a general guideline so i'd start off at the lower end of that so three milligrams per kilo of body weight about 60 minutes before and then i'd experiment with well what happens if i take the dose a little bit higher what happens if i take the dose a little bit lower what happens if i split the dose across multiple different time points Um, what happens if i take it longer before so 90 minutes before as opposed to 60 minutes before or 30 minutes before as opposed to 60 minutes before what happens if i try and take it from coffee or pre-workout powder or an energy drink or caffeine chewing gum and things like that so there's because there's multiple different ways you can actually get caffeine into your body it's worthwhile experimenting with those as well so it's definitely a good idea to do that experimentation in training and not in competition because obviously you want to have it refined by the point that you get to the competition but you'll probably find that you know there's some things that clearly don't work and there's some things that clearly do work so you'll be able to hone in on the optimal approach reasonably quickly out of thought and uh, how would you then go about measuring that? Because obviously, okay, 100 meters is uh, is fairly clear. If you run quickly, then that's good. Um, if you're in a team sport like rugby, which you mentioned, uh, and you're potentially not an athlete who has access to loads of GPS or sports science stuff, how do you then go about measuring whether that improves your performance? That's a really good question as well. So I guess arguably you can't. Um, an interesting thing about caffeine is, is that if you – it has – well – there's quite a large expectancy aspect to it. So if you think caffeine improves your performance and you think you've taken caffeine, your performance improves from a physical standpoint, even if you're actually being given a placebo. So there's like, if you basically you sort of do some self-experimentation, see what makes you just sort of feel more alert or um, sort of put for your own perception, are you playing a bit better or a little bit worse and kind of use that to guide you. Um, but yeah, no, aside from that, it's really difficult to actually quantify am I playing better or am I playing worse because there's so many variables that go into that. Yeah, I can imagine, I can I can remember back to when I was a, a poor amateur footballer and uh, just smashed loads of caffeine and felt great. And there's <laughs> other days when I like I smashed loads of caffeine and I was like, this is ridiculous. My, my skill level is just so low. Um, I take maybe... Yeah, two two of the little caffeine pills that you get in a in a tub, and all of a sudden I was just I was buzzing, absolutely buzzing, but I couldn't I couldn't pass a football. So that that kind of negative effect is definitely present. And if you're going to try that in a game, like you said, it's almost certainly not the the best idea. Um, you mentioned different types of uh, sources of of 
of caffeine. What's the difference? So if you have a, a gum compared to a coffee, compared to an energy drink, compared to whatever it might be, um, is there a difference in, for example, the rate of uptake or uh, how long the duration of the, the caffeine lasts as such? Yeah, there is. Yeah. So I guess with a pre-workout, you get other ingredients in that as well. So taurine is a common one that's found in energy drinks. You often find some amino acids that are in there as well, like arginine, for example. So sometimes the the positive effects of caffeine might be um, or you, what you think are the positive effects of caffeine might be coming from those other ingredients, for example. And we don't know how they kind of compete with each other as well, which is another area for future research. Um, similarly, I guess coffee doesn't just have caffeine in there it has a lot of other compounds in there which may improve the effects of caffeine when it comes to performance or they may sort of reduce them as well it's not entirely clear so i did i was an author on a paper a couple of years ago which kind of said well is coffee a useful way for us to get caffeine before exercise and the answer is probably not for elite athletes that need to control how much caffeine they have um, because there's just so much variability in how much caffeine is actually in a cup of coffee. It depends on um, the beans that you use, how long they're sort of brewed for, um, how much of it you drink, um, aspects like that. So even if you buy the same cup of coffee from the same um, cafe two days in a row, it will potentially have quite large differences in how much caffeine is in it. Similarly, if you just use like an espresso machine at home, Two capsules will have you know, different amounts of caffeine in there. So there's some good research out of Australia, which kind of demonstrates that. So that's the difficulty with coffee. I guess the second difficulty with coffee is that you often drink it hot, which if you just like to exercise is not always the best thing to do. And I guess people that drink a lot of coffee will, might attest uh, anecdotally to some gastrointestinal distress that comes along with that. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, when it comes to gum, uh, the absorption from gum is much quicker than it is from from other liquid sources. So uh, it's usually, I think, from memory, it's about 10 minutes to be absorbed. So gum is something you'd have um, just before you went out onto the pitch, for example. Um, but the dose of caffeine from gum is typically a bit smaller than in the drinks. Um, and then there's caffeine tablets, which is like the solid form or the salt form of caffeine called caffeine anhydrous. Again, there's a little bit of variability in how much caffeine is in is found in them, but most people find they do probably best of that because there's fewer ingredients included within there. So there are all the different ways. There's a couple of experimental ways as well. You can get a caffeine nasal spray now, which you just spray it with nose. It doesn't have much caffeine in it, so there's not a lot of evidence for that. And then caffeine is also starting to get added to things like um, energy bars and energy gels as well. So it's, uh, it's still a developing area in terms of uh, potential future um, ways of getting it in your body at least. Yeah, exactly. So like, I think caffeine is an interesting thing in as much as that we know it works, but what we need to understand a bit more is kind of the contexts around it. So what's the way that we actually deliver it to our body, which is best for us? How should we use it when we've got those multiple competitions, which we spoke about earlier? How should we use that at major competitions if we know it makes us anxious? Would we take the same amount of caffeine for the Olympic 100 meter final as we would for a club race, for example? So there's all those factors that come into that. So whilst we do know caffeine works, there's still actually quite a lot of work for us to do to understand how best to use it for each athlete. I think that's uh, super interesting <clears throat> and um, brings us nicely onto our, our last question. So what is the one thing that you see or do differently which the rest of the world can learn from? Does anybody ever answer this question and not come across badly? Because I've been thinking about it. What do two people smash it? And one or two people sit there and um and ah for like 30 seconds and I've got to ed- edit it all out. But I guess uh, one thing I think I'm reasonably good at is I try and read across 
various different subjects. So I'm quite curious about a lot of things. And that's quite useful when it comes to kind of your actual area of interest, because you start to borrow ideas from, from other areas. So, for example, when I was interested in, in genetics, which is where I was working, I was really interested in, well, you know, what, what genetic factors might influence how caffeine improves our performance. And then I started to, to learn a little bit more about how genetics influences our taste. And caffeine's a bitter taste, and so it tastes bitter. So then I started to think, well, does caffeine's bitter taste actually drive some of its performance enhancement? So, yeah, what probably that suggests to me is that just having a really good sort of general understanding of various different interesting areas um, enables you to sort of better understand your key area of interest. I think that's uh, some excellent advice. And in terms of reading on that kind of uh, in that kind of topic, something like Range from David Epstein, is that something that you'd recommend? Yes, range is probably one of the really good ones, which kind of outlines um, why that could be important and why it can be useful. Um, Matthew Sayed's got a couple of books as well. So Rebel Ideas is, is about diversity of opinions. And it's just kind of sort of suggests to you, well, you know, you want to seek out people that have had different experiences to you um, because they may see things slightly differently. So it's a good way to just kind of check any biases you might have, which can be really useful. Absolutely fantastic. So uh, that's uh, unfortunately time for today. But uh, Craig, massive thanks for your time today. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, buddy. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Craig for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our free-to-download agility mini-course, which covers tons of great agility knowledge in just under two hours. That's broken down into bite-sized chunks so that you can squeeze it in around your busy coaching schedule. And it's free to download in the show notes, so be sure to click on a quick click. And in addition, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, hit the subscribe button on whichever sending you're currently listening to. That gives us the chance to keep bringing you high quality content and ensure that the good word of the podcast gets out there even further. So a massive thanks for listening. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.